Hey everyone, welcome to Jesus Stories, uh, the podcast. We're telling the stories of Jesus and the people who follow him, both past and present. And if you've listened in the past, you may be wondering, well, could I do this? Can I be an effective follower of Jesus? After all, we've told some stories of some rather remarkable people, people who have been able to stand in the face of adversity and still represent Jesus in an environment which is hostile to him. Maybe you're thinking that you could not be one of those people. And if that's the case, you might think, how could I follow Jesus? How could God use me? Could God use me? I don't have any special talents. I don't have lots of money. I don't have lots of time. I just can't. I'm not worthy. We're going to seek to answer that question today, so stay with me for a few minutes, if you will. Jesus' stories are made possible by those who listen to us, and that's you. You pray for us. You provide monetary support. Thank you for that. If you're not supporting us and would like to, I invite you to check our website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. Choose how you'd like to help us out. So you've heard Jesus' stories, and you've thought to yourself, maybe there's no way you could be an Eric Liddell or a Dietrich Bonhoeffer or a Chuck Colson. You can't be a Rosa Parks or Corey Ten Boom. You don't have that kind of faith. But fortunately, God doesn't think about you that way. Now, how do we know that? Well, all we have to do is look at Jesus' past. And that's an easy thing to do. Thank you, Matthew, Jesus' disciple. He gave us a genealogy to help us out. Now, this genealogy was kept by the Jewish people to help them know when the Messiah would come. And these are the people Jehovah God used to bring Jesus into the world for all of us. Let me read a little bit of this genealogy for you. It's in Matthew chapter 1. We're just going to read the first two verses. Here was, here's what he wrote. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Now, on and on it goes. In the old King James Version of the Bible, this, were, this is what I call the begets section. Abraham begat Isaac, etc. I found it rather boring. You may or may not know of the people in this genealogy, but what I want to do is take a look at a few of them. Right off the bat, we meet Abraham. Now, the Bible tells us about him beginning in Genesis chapter 12. Jehovah God called him to leave his home and his family to go to a place where God would show him. He didn't tell him where this place would be. Abram, as he was called then, did as God asked and picked up and moved. And while Abram did as God asked, he was not always doing what God wanted. What did he do or not do? Well, not once, but twice, 
we see that Abraham lied to the rulers of the lands in which he was traveling. His wife, Sarai, was his half-sister. Yeah, that happened in those days. And when Abram went into a foreign land, he would tell those rulers that Sarai was his sister, which was a half-truth. He did this to protect himself. If they knew that Sarai was his wife, he may have been killed to allow the ruler to take her as the ruler's wife, make her a part of his harem. So Abram lied to save his skin. Jehovah God had promised Abram and Sarai a son, but they had no children. They were getting old, and this was a cultural disgrace. So as Abram and Sarai aged, he was about 75, she was about 65, they decided that God needed help in keeping his promise. Actually, he doesn't need help, as we'll see. But Sarai gave Abram her slave, Hagar, to have a child with. Now, in that culture, if the slave had a child by the master of the house, that child belonged to the master and his wife, not to the slave. So the son born to Hagar, Ishmael, was considered Abram and Sarai's descendant. So Abram lied, and he took a woman who was not his wife to have a child in defiance of God's promise. And by the way, Jehovah God kept his promise. Abram and Sarai did have a son 14 years later. Yes, Abram, now known as Abraham, and Sarai, now known as Sarah, at age 190, that's age 100 for Abraham and 90 for Sarah, had their son Isaac. Now, don't ask me how a woman of 90 could bear a child. That's the work of Jehovah God. Did you know that Abram or Abraham also bargained with Jehovah God? As Jehovah was preparing to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin, he told Abraham of his intention. Abraham, concerned for his nephew, Lot, who was living in Sodom, begged God not to destroy the cities if he could find a certain number of people in those cities who were righteous. The bargaining started with 50 people, and it went down to 10. The cities were destroyed after Jehovah God let Lot and his family away from the city of Sodom. Abraham is the patriarch who is recognized as the father of faith. He is the person, the first person, of whom the Bible says he believed God and it was counted as being right with God. He is the first person listed as an ancestor to Jesus. God called an imperfect man to model faith for the generations to come. Let's move on. Abram's grandson, Jacob, he was known as the deceiver. As a matter of fact, his name means deceiver, so he lived up to his name. He talked his brother Esau out of his rightful inheritance with just a bowl of stew. And he deceived his father by pretending to be his older brother to get the firstborn's blessing. He ran away to escape the ire of his older brother, and he met his match in the deception game in the man who would later become his father-in-law. Jacob also spent a night wrestling with a man who was probably Jesus. You can check that out in Genesis chapter 32. As the night wore on, the man saw he wasn't going to win the match, so Jacob's name was changed to Israel, because as the man said, you have fought with God and won, and that's what Israel means. So he received from that wrestling a blessing and a scar 
Jacob, or Israel's hip, was wrenched out of the socket and caused him to limp for the rest of his life. I'm sure Jacob remembered the night for the rest of his life every time he took a step. Jacob became the father of the tribes of the nation of Israel through his sons and grandsons. God used an imperfect man for his perfect purpose. Now one of Jacob's or Israel's son was named Judah. And like everyone, Judah has some good stuff and did some bad stuff too. He was one of 12 boys. They had little love for their next to youngest brother, Joseph. And when his brothers sought to kill Joseph, Judah convinced them to spare his life by selling him into slavery. He was also the one brother who stepped forward to save the youngest brother by offering him as a hostage. But Judah's own children were so wicked that Jehovah God killed them. And in that culture, when a brother passes without fathering any children, the widow was to become the wife of a living brother to continue the deceased brother's line. Now, when the next to youngest brother died with no children, his wife, Tamar, was expecting to marry her younger brother-in-law. However, he was very young. As she waited for him to grow up and for Judah to give him to her for a husband, Tamar saw that Judah was not going to offer him to her. So she prostituted herself to Judah without his knowing who she was, became pregnant with twins, and became part of the lineage of Jesus, the first woman mentioned in that genealogy. Judah, like all of us, did both good and bad, and God used his imperfect life to further his plan for his people. Now there's another woman in the genealogy. The very next one is named Rahab. She was a prostitute. A what? Yeah, you heard right. A prostitute. Here's her story. As the nation of Israel was to come into the land that was promised to them by Jehovah God, they sent spies into the city of Jericho to find out about that city. A prostitute's home was a gathering space for spies in this day and time. Rahab's place became the spot for Israel's spies. Rahab knew of Jehovah God and told the spies, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. When the word got around that there were spies in the city, Rahab hid the spies in her home to protect them from the troops who were looking for them. She let them out of the city through a window in her home and told them how to hide from the troops. And when the city was conquered, Rahab and her family were spared. She earns a place in the lineage of Jesus. An imperfect woman of faith is used by a perfect God and becomes part of Jesus' ancestry. Ruth is the next woman in the ancestry. She was from a country called Moab. Now, this country was inhospitable to the people of Israel as they were traveling to the land Jehovah God promised them. And as a result, Jehovah God banned them from the temple. Yet this woman believed in Jehovah. An imperfect woman who was not Jewish became a part of the ancestry of the perfect Jesus. And then there is David the second king of Israel, probably the most famous of all of the kings. He was the one who, as a young man, killed the giant Goliath. He was chased by King Solomon, who felt threatened by David's popularity. And when Solomon could have been killed by David, well, David spared the king's life. But David was also an adulterer 
and a murderer. He took Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, for his own and then killed her husband. Yet he repented for his sin. He sought Jehovah God's forgiveness, and God called him a man after his own heart. Both he and Bathsheba, in all their imperfections, became a part of the ancestry of Jesus. David and Bathsheba's son, Solomon, joins this lineup in the genealogy of Jesus. Solomon became king and started well by asking Jehovah for wisdom instead of wealth. He became known as the wisest of men. He was so wise that other rulers sought Solomon out to hear from him. But even in his wisdom, Solomon married 700 wives and had 300 concubines. That's a thousand women dedicated to him. And because these women were from countries other than Israel, they enticed Solomon to worship idols, making Jehovah God upset with him. However, this imperfect man, Solomon, was used by the perfect God to show his faithfulness to his servant, David. Now, why does Jehovah God do this for his servants? Why work with people who are so imperfect? Well, actually, that's all he has to work with. We're all imperfect. And in working with us imperfect people, he's keeping the promise he made to us. What promise? Well, to Abraham, our first person, Jehovah God had told him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And here we are talking about him. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now that's a huge promise. But it is through Abraham, the father of faith, that we understand that God looks at our faith and not what we do for our salvation. It is through our faith that we become a child of Abraham, part of his family, that Jehovah God promises a blessing for us. To David, Jehovah God promised that there would always be a descendant on the throne of Israel. And that ultimate descendant, that ultimate ruler on the throne is Jesus, King Jesus. And what about today's followers of Jesus? What promises does God offer and keep for us? Well, there are many, but there are two main ones I want to share with you. Promise number one, when we live in the light of God, when we're seeking to be followers of Jesus Christ, his son, then the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. Now, that's a strange saying for someone who is not familiar with Jesus, but the fact that Jesus died on the cross cleanses us from all sin. The Apostle John wrote this in his first letter. He said, This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. We, as the imperfect followers of Jesus, as sinners who disobey Jehovah God, both knowingly and unknowingly, need Jehovah's continual forgiveness. And that is promised to us if we are following Jesus. Promise number two, when we confess our sin to Jehovah God, he is faithful and just to forgive us 
and cleanses us from all wickedness. The man after God's own heart, David, wrote this in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. When we share with Jehovah God what we know to be our failing in following him, we are promised forgiveness. With promises like that, Jesus invites us. He said, follow me, follow Jesus. Age is not a factor. Social status is not a factor. Race and gender are not mandated. All are invited to follow him in the only way we can, imperfectly. How can I do that, you might ask? Well, if you're interested, contact me. I'll help you. Go to JesusStories.info, click on the Talk to Us tab, and send me a message. These Jesus Stories come to you because you support us in prayer and with your monetary support. Thank you for that. And if you want to join in supporting us, visit our website, JesusStories.info, and click on the Support This Podcast tab. That's JesusStories.info. We'll see you in two weeks.